Welcome to Clean Tech Talk with Important Media, where we discuss the latest news in clean cars, clean energy, and clean technology. I'm Chris DeMauro, editor of Gas2.org. And I'm Zachary Shahan, director of cleantechnica.com and evobsession.com. This is our fourth EV episode. Today we're talking Detroit Electric, uh, electric vehicle sales in the U.S. last month, a video of the Nissan GTR Le Mans Hybrid, and using how using transit can save you a shit ton of money. So starting off, let's jump into Detroit Electric. Chris, what do you have to say? I mean, I don't know who's been following this story, but Detroit Electric has bounced all over the world, basically, and now they finally landed in the UK, of all places, where they're not only building their cars, but apparently opening up the Detroit Electric flagship store. Now, maybe I'm just old school like this, but I would think a company named Detroit Electric should have its store in Detroit. But apparently they disagree. And I mean, let's remember, this is a this is like an iconic brand. This is this was one of the biggest automakers in the beginning of the 20th century in the U.S. And you know, it was it was one of the biggest automakers in general, not just one of the biggest electric automakers. So to take it and to say, oh, we're going to revive Detroit Electric and then move to the U.K. is like it's like treason or something. You know, it's like getting us back for a revolution or something, right? There's there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. Like it, it is, obviously someone just came up and scooped the name up and was like, "Hey, this is a great name. We're just going to roll with this." You know, this is this is really the second time we've tried to bring Detroit Electric back in the past five years, and the product really hasn't changed. It's still basically a Tesla Roadster knockoff based on a Lotus, which is why it's being built in the UK. They're basically right next door to their main parts supplier. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. It's a pretty car. I mean, there's no denying it's a, it's a good-looking car. It's cool. It would be nice to have another hot I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty car when it came out 10 years ago as a Tesla Roadster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's great, but it, it's really not that great a decade after the Roadster. I mean, because it's like, why not just go get a Roadster? I mean, you can get a used Roadster. There's dozens on the market. Tesla is still treating their customers really well, upgrading the Roadsters. Uh, what does Detroit, ha- Detroit Electric have to offer that's going to beat Tesla. And Tesla has a record now of producing great cars, updating them. Nobody knows what Detroit Electric is going to do. They've been talking about this for years. Uh, who knows? So I, I don't know who's going to go and buy a Detroit Electric when they could get a Roadster. You know, it's somebody who has money and just likes collecting cars, really. I don't think we're going to see a lot. I mean, even the name, the SP01, it's just not a thrilling name. You know what I mean? Like, it's just nothing, just nothing that grabs your attention and says, wow, I really want to talk about that car. It's just they're not bringing anything new to the table, and they're yeah. really just kind of making a joke of themselves. Yeah, right? I mean, honestly, I would love for another electric car company to do well, to rise up, you know, to, to get the funding they need through this uh, high-end sports car and go to bigger and better things. But I'm really, uh, I'm really just not that bullish considering how much longer after the Roadster it is, how, how slowly they've been to get going, how, you know, how it's going to actually compete with anything. And, I mean, some of the people on board, heavily on board, have a history with other companies like Zap that promised great electric cars for years and never delivered. So I'm not really, uh, you know, I would love to see them do well, but I'm not, I'm not going to put any money into it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's... I, I, they're not the next Tesla. They're just not. I, think, jumping, I, th- I feel confident saying that. Jumping into Tesla and the cars that are, are actually selling right now, uh, you know, last month, 
we had February electric car sales in the U.S. that did quite well. Um, where they were up over over the year before, but you know, not as spectacular as the growth we've seen in previous years. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think you have a lot to say on on why that is, and I'll I'll let you start with that. But to start off, you know, we have the top three: the Tesla Model S, the Nissan Leaf, the BMW i3. There's, they've sort of become the regulars. Um, these are the three companies. I mean, the Tesla is the company most eager to sell electric cars and push this EV revolution forward. Obviously. Behind that, you got Nissan and BMW, and then you have another tier of, you know, maybe another tier of GM and Ford. And GM and Ford came came right behind with their plug-in hybrids. Um, Ford, if you combine their energy model, would actually beat the i3, the, the energy models, the Ford Fusion Energy and the Ford C-Max Energy. They'd actually beat the i3 barely. So, you know, they're doing something. So, yeah, you're definitely seeing a disparity between, you know, the big EV sellers and the people who really aren't trying that hard you know uh, like you mentioned ford and gm they kind of make up the middle bmw nissan tesla are at the top and, and but you know winter's not a great time for car sales right now and we are also you know in a in a model change year there's a new volt coming there's a new leaf coming uh ford is probably gonna introduce you know there's rumors ford's working on a, an electric car of its own um and then you have, you know, the smaller vehicles like, you know, the Focus Electric. It's just been out for a long time. You know, people aren't going to buy a lot of those these days. The Cadillac ELR costs $70,000 and is barely promoted. So, you know, right now we're just kind of in a lull. You know, low gas up prices probably haven't been helping too much either. Either You know, someone who might have been getting a leaf might have, you know, they might have reconsidered because they're short-sighted. Maybe not. But overall, I think, you know, I think the green car sales are pretty much, you know, plug-in car sales are right where they should be for this time of year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's no denying that people are waiting for the next Leaf. They're waiting for the the already announced and displayed Chevy Volt, which is a lot better, which is, you know, incorporates a lot of feedback from owners, and it's really a much better looking car, in my opinion, than the first generation Volt. Uh, so I'm sure people are hanging in there, waiting for those, waiting for the top Tesla Model 3 even, or the Chevy Bolt even, because they're not that far off the radar, you know. If you, if you don't need to get a new car, you can wait a couple years, you know, for this these second generation uh, vehicles, so I mean, there's no doubt people are people are waiting. Um, but it's good to see that it's still growing despite these these factors. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we've definitely hit uh, a tipping point, at least in terms of public consciousness of electric vehicles. And you know, the fact that you know you look down this list, and pretty much every you know every major automaker is re- you know represented at least some small way. You know, I think it says something about where, you know, the future of automobiles are really heading right now. Yeah, I completely agree, of course, as an EV-obsessed person. <laughs> but I would also just close with, you know, these, uh, you know, most of these automakers are not even trying to sell their cars. They're not offering them in, across the U.S. They're not marketing them. Uh, so, you know, it's, I always wonder, what would it be like if they actually tried to sell and produce these cars and market them? You know, uh, it would be... A really different story, but you know, as it is, we've got a few brands that are doing that, and the rest, you know, they're getting their toes in the water, waiting for to see where things go, trying to make sure that when if it, if it does blow up, which I, I'm convinced it will, that they can quickly gear up and transition. Yeah, I mean, it, this is definitely the way they're going, and you know, just to just to play off of that, you know, speaking you know, speaking of this, you know, Nissan. Is showing the way forward in racing with their new GTR Le Mans Nismo hybrid. 
you know, uh, there, we got a video of this over at gas2.org uh, where it just sounds, it's, it just sounds incredible. It is really like, it sounds like a race car, but it's a 1200 horsepower hybrid too. Like it, this is the way to get people excited about green cars. Not, not by talking about efficiency, not by talking about emissions, but by racing them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a beast. Uh, <laughs> For sure. I mean, you have to touch every segment of the market. Some people are going to get excited about efficiency, but a lot more people probably are going to get excited by an awesome racing car or, or like Tesla P85D, which we see video after video of now racing uh, supercars. Um, I was shocked recently when I, when I uh, found an article, 10 most powerful cars on the market. A handful of them were hybrids. And I, I even thought, you know, Wow, that's surprising. So I think there's a lot of people still who just think of hybrids as like the Toyota Prius, some you know weak, efficient, green car, and they don't realize that hybrids are powerful as heck because they give you the, the benefits of uh, hybrid of electric technology and ice technology. Exactly, and that's what that's what these high end automakers are finally figuring out is that hybrid doesn't have to it doesn't have to mean slow and boring. Like you're literally adding a second powertrain to these cars. And so now you're adding twice as much potential for horsepower, but also the way electric motors complement combustion engines, electric motors have all their torque at zero RPMs, whereas combustion engines have to rev. They have to start spinning to make power, and they have to spin pretty fast to do it. So you can complement the low end with the high end, and together you've got a 1,200-horsepower hybrid race car. So with the, with the GTR Le Mans, Nissan really seems to be taking endurance racing seriously. I think they want to win with this car. And so, you know, it's really it's something to get excited about. You know, it, you can get excited about a lot of things, but this is something that gets a lot of people excited about. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing, too, about those uh, different benefits, um, when you watch these P85D, Tesla P85D races against uh, ICE cars, that's often, I think, the funniest thing is you see the, the P85D just jump off the line, crushing whatever is next to it, no matter what car it is. And then if the car is powerful enough, it ends up catching up to the P85D and passing it before the finish line. Or it doesn't, you know, or it just gets creamed. Uh, so when, you, it, when you're combining those, you know, <laughs> the, the power of electric with, um, with the later, you know, delayed power of the ICE engine, it's, it's, it's pretty it's pretty pretty amazing i guess yeah uh, and i'll just ask you to to you know for me as someone who doesn't really care that much about racing or following what's really exciting is the way the technology get you know in these cars trickles down to mass market cars can you speak a little more about that so more people can get how these race cars really benefit society well i mean it's it's, it's really simple these race cars cost tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. And the technology developed for them is for competitive purposes. But then automakers will step back and take a look and say, how can we apply these racing uh, advances to production cars? Because things like fuel injection were around for 50 years before, you know, they started putting them in cars in the mid to late eighties. Uh, things like anti-lock brakes, uh, all this stuff, these were around, but they didn't put them in production cars until the government basically told them, you have to clean up your act, figure out a way. And they're like, well, we have all this great stuff over in racing. Why don't we just bring it to production cars? So things like this, this GTR Le Mans hybrid, 
this technology is too expensive to see in a production car today, but once they have tested it on the track and figured out ways to bring down the cost and make it smaller and more practical for everyday cars, you will start seeing this sort of technology more and more frequently. And considering how all the, you know, there's so many racing series now embracing electrification, like it's really starting to build up some unstoppable steam. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's enough to get, you know, even the average person excited. Uh, but stepping away from cars, jumping to transit, uh, the American Public Transportation Association every month puts out a, a transit savings report, and it basically it looks at the top uh, top twenty, I think, largest metropolitan areas or metropolitan areas with the largest transit systems or something like that, and it calculates how much you save, how much the average person in that city or metro area would save if they dropped a car and took transit instead, and it basically it hovers around ten thousand dollars a year. Um, in New York, you have it. It's actually the average is like almost sixteen thousand dollars a year. I mean, this is this this is something we hammer home like every month practically because people don't realize how much money they can save. I mean, it's great maybe if you if you especially if you need a car to to drive you know to drive to have that possibility. But if you have the option of using transit, imagine how much sixteen thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars a year what that can go toward. Well, and that's the thing, though, is, you know, more and more Americans are moving back to cities, but a lot of medium and small size cities just don't have very good public transit options. You know, up until, you know, in two weeks, they're opening a rapid bus transit system less than a mile down the road from me. And I have every intention of using it every chance I get. But it hasn't been an option. And I've been living in this area for almost a decade now. And I up until recently, my only option was a 45, 50-minute bus ride for a trip that in a car takes 10 to 15 minutes at most, even with traffic. So the savings are definitely a big draw, but there's still a big need for better public transit in this country, like a really big need, because a lot, a lot of people just don't have access to fast, reliable, affordable public transit options. It's no secret that transit in the U.S. has not gotten the love that cars have gotten in the last 70 years or whatever and, and really don't match what's in Europe. Uh, you know, I come from Florida, which it was developed after air conditioning for logical reasons. And what that means also is that it was developed basically after the automobile became popular. So it was developed around automobiles. And much of the U.S. is like this, especially the South and the West. And... I mean, it just makes transit really hard to succeed. It makes it really hard for practical transit to make sense. And, uh, I mean, it was difficult. In Florida, I, I started biking instead of driving, and I loved it. But it was still not as ideal as other places. When I moved, actually, uh, 10 years ago, I moved to North Carolina, or 11 years ago. I moved to North Carolina, Chapel Hill. It's a great college town, and I dropped the car altogether. Personally, that was one of the best practical decisions I ever made. It just has made my quality of life so much nicer. But ever since then, I've had to really choose to live in places that have good options, or I would have to get a car again. And uh, I live, I've lived in like five or six cities with great transit options. It's made my life really, I think, a lot better, and I love it. But, and it's also probably saved me over 100 grand, which you know has gone to buying a nice condo in a nice neighborhood where I can walk and bike and use transit everywhere 
But, um, you know, it's something you really have to think about when you, when you think about where you're going to live. Yeah. And, and it definitely played a part in when I chose to buy my home, because I knew they were putting this thing in this, this bus rapid transit system. And it, it played a role in my, cause I was like, this would be great. This means I can get from my city to the capital in you know, under 20, 25 minutes, I think they said. So, you know, it's a little bit longer than taking a car, but it saves me so much money and hassle because, you know, it's not just driving. It's not just the gas in the car. It's not just the wear and tear on the car. It's finding a parking spot. It's it's yeah. hoping you don't get a ticket. It's feeding that meter. It's it's all sorts of things. It's taxes on the car when you get right down to, you know, my taxes are pretty high on my car and it's not a very expensive car. So Yeah, I mean, this stuff adds up financially. And I mean, we rented a car recently to go to uh, Krakow, another city from here, a few hours from here. And at first I was like, oh, this is fun. After a few hours, I was like, gosh, this gets old. You know, I can't do anything but focus on the road. You know, I, I, and when you get to the city, you have to find parking. It's a pain in the ass. You know, you, it's really, I was like, gosh, it would be so much easier if, I just, if we could just take the train here and, you know, get off and then we're here. So, you know, I think there are pluses and minuses to both modes. And there's some times when you really can't, you know, switch. I mean, it just doesn't make sense for you situationally. And you might be tied to a place because of family, friends, work, whatever. But, you know, I think it's something people should consider when they, when they move um, is, you know, the transit options and how much money they could save. Because a lot of people just look at the sticker price of a home and they don't calculate the, the different prices of transportation. I agree. And I do think people are starting to change that, though, especially here in America. Thanks for checking in uh, on Clean Tech Talk this week. Uh, check in again next week to get your electric fix with Chris and me. Thanks. I'm Chris tomorrow, And I'm Zachary Shahan. Have a nice day. <laughs>